Hi and welcome back listeners to part two of Sacred Space 102 here on West Limerick 102 FM. And that piece of music that brought us back into part two is the Gregorian chant version of In Paradisium. It is the antiphon from the traditional Latin liturgy of, from the Requiem Mass. And it was usually sung when the body of the deceased was being processed out of the church for burial. And it, is, it forms the introduction to this morning's reflection on November and the month of death, dying and remembrance. As we said in part one of the programme, next Friday and Saturday, of course, is the feast days of the All Saints and the commemoration of the Holy Souls on the 2nd of November. But traditionally in the church, of course, November is the month dedicated to remembrance of the Holy Souls. And of course, from an Irish cultural perspective, we very much associated with Halloween and the month of Samhain and entering into the dark, dreary days of the winter, day, in winter evenings. Of course, the other side of it, of course, is that death and dying is very much something that accompanies us throughout the year. But in November and December, of course, for those who have been most recently bereaved, but also those that might just be carrying the long pain of grief, the time of November can sometimes be a hard month to get through. Of course, the interesting thing about it is I was reflecting uh, or preparing for this reflection during the week. And one or two things struck me just as we were going about, you know, normal everyday life. So at the moment, I suppose I'm in the joyous position, I suppose, that between family and friends, I am up to my tonsils with new life in terms of small people that have come into the world. And it's a lovely kind of thing to be able to participate and share in the joys of, of new life with the arrival of small babies and toddlers and all the rest of it. But at the same time as well, I happened to be reading um, Anamkara by John O'Donoghue. And John, when he's reflecting on death in the book, he reminds us, I suppose, that death is one of those constant companions that we have throughout our lives. And it is something, if you like, that comes out of the womb with us. No matter who we are, no matter how our station, how high our station is in life, all of us at some stage will have to face the fact that our earthly journey is going to come to a close. It's going to come to an end, if you like. And, but, of course, the, one of the, the problems with that, of course, is that there is a huge fear about death. Um, you know, because death is change, and change is always fearful as well as challenging. But I suppose until we admit the fear, we cannot really accept the challenge. You know, until we can admit the fear, we cannot really appreciate the assurance deep down in our hearts that, indeed, we are actually not afraid. Be not afraid, of course, is one of the great expressions that comes out across the New Testament. A friend of mine once said that she thought there was 365 mentions of the expression, be not afraid, throughout the Bible. I'm not sure about that one, but it's something I keep meaning to check one of these days. But in terms of our relationship with death and dying, I suppose one of the things to reflect on this morning is, of course, are we afraid of dying? And I suppose the answer is, if we're honest with each of us, if we've thought about it for a moment, is that, of course, we are. Because in our modern world, and even down throughout the ages, death is always seen as an annihilation and a quenching of the lamp, 
rather than, I suppose, as a transition or a transfiguration. If we even take the great Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, there's that wonderful line where even though I walk to the valley of darkness, no evil will I fear. You are there with your crook and your staff. But for some of us, I suppose, when we look at the world around that we live in, I suppose the question that we have to ask ourselves is more a case of, are we afraid of dying, dying or are we afraid of living? Because if, we, if you have a life that's lived well, then, that, then our death is only the next stage in that journey. And I suppose as we reflect on it this Sunday morning, I would kind of ask the question to you, you know, when someone, we often hear the news that someone is, has been diagnosed with this illness or with cancer or something like that. And the expression that is used is they're told to put their affairs in order. And I always wondered about that expression. The first one, a friend of mine who, who, who wouldn't, English wouldn't be their first language. When they heard that expression, he turned to me and he said, how many mistresses does he have? <laughs> you know, and I was kind of going, no, 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 it doesn't mean that kind of an affair. But I suppose the other side of it is when we talk about putting our affairs in order, we talk about our material affairs, things like, you know, organizing your will, sorting out who gets what, paying off your debts, that kind, that side of life. And, you know, that's an important thing to reflect on and, and prepare for as well. But the other side of it, I suppose, is also how about putting your spiritual affairs in order? And it's kind of a case of thinking, well, what do I need to do from that side of things? What about that particular balance sheet which needs to be looked at and examined. Uh, it's an interesting one, I suppose. There is a blog online called by a, a priest by Father Jose, John uh, Zesseldorf, I think is how he pronounces his name. He's known as Father Z. And he's, an, he's a famous blogger in terms of priests online. He's got one of the oldest blogs. He's got many millions of readers. Father Z would be a rather conservative viewpoint, very attached to the traditional Latin mass. But it's an interesting one that again and again on, the, on his blog, he calls people to go to confession, to put themselves in preparation for whatever might happen. And I suppose it's something that we should think about maybe from time to time. Because we live in a world, I suppose, very much where we have become disconnected from death in many ways. If you think about it, even going back 20, 30, 40 years ago, when someone died, it was their family that would have prepared the body for burial. Uh, not so much anymore. And it's almost become, because we don't know what it is, because we don't participate often in it, people, what they don't know, they fear. And I suppose that's something for us to think about when we reflect on, on it. The other side, of course, is, is, is the world that we live in. You know, we can't avoid it. It overshadows all our lives. And while we might live longer than our grandparents, we're better fed, we have better vaccines, we don't die from the diseases they have. At the same time, we live in a world where we are, you know, warding off modern day plagues like suicide, abortion, addiction, racism, poverty, violence, and a culture of fear. We live in a world which fears old age. You know, we fear crime. We fear people who don't look like us or earn as much as us. We fear other countries. You know, it's something we live, we are, we are people who are afraid, despite being the most free people in the world. And as we reflect on it, I suppose, you know, we have to think about death 
is very much something we should become more familiar and accepting of and comfortable with in many ways because it's part of our everyday lives. So, but to be, like I said at the start, to reflect on that is to have, to, to be able to welcome it, is of, to welcome a good death, I should say, is that we should have lived a good life. So I suppose as we pause for the first piece of music in this morning's reflection, I suppose the question I would pose to you as you're listening this morning is, rather than being afraid of, the, of our death that we might, we might face, the question should be, are you living your life to its maximum potential? So that eventually when that knock comes on the door from Brother Death, you will just turn to him and say, welcome, come let us go on the next part of the journey of life. And I suppose to live that life well, we are called to set our hearts on the higher things in life. And so the next piece of music that we have is exactly called that, setting our hearts on the higher gifts.
I suppose as well, when we talk about death and dying and grief that results, at this particular time of the year, we're very conscious of those who have lost loved ones in the last 12 months in particular. Uh, in my home parish in Shannon Golden, our PP has a, tra- a lovely tradition. Initially, I wasn't too sure about it, but as we've gone through and gotten used to it, what he does is when he prays for the dead, he has a list he keeps of everyone that has been buried from the churches in the parish, and they are remembered and named at every Mass, every weekend, until their first anniversary. And I think it's a lovely reminder to us of those in the community that are traveling and are being accompanied by grief for the first 12 months. And it's also something that we have to be very conscious of because accompanying someone in grief is something that we as a community try to do. Irish people are good at funerals and being with people when death occurs, but it is the days and the months after that when grief is the constant companion with the person who has lost a loved one, that maybe that accompaniment needs to be there. And one of the great things about it is it doesn't require inane chatter. People will often say, oh, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. But when you have lost someone like that, you know, and you're picking yourself up after the death of a loved one, it's someone just being there with you and being present, even if it is in the silence of a shared grief, that you can appreciate it. When you are dealing and you are recovering from grief, you have to pick yourself up after the pandemonium of the funeral. And it's like almost like a reverse culture shock of death because everything is the same and nothing is the same because there's this gaping void in in your heart and in your home. I love the way that, you know, for the first 30 days after a person's died, we have the month's mind to mark the closure of that 30 days. And it's interesting because you're almost looking after the newborn soul of the person that has died to pray for them and for to remember them. But we should also remember and pray and feed the soul of those that are left behind. And the other side, of course, is to remember that the pain and suffering that we endure when someone dies is not something to be cast aside and told get over it sure you should be beyond something like that already how we deal and cope with grief is a journey each of us has to make individually and november presents that opportunity for us when we can think and reflect and be open to that grief journey that we go through but remember the pain that we experience as part of a grieving process is only often ever equivalent to the love that we have lost. And remember, love is never wasted. No matter what, be it the death of the child or the slow, tormented departure of someone suffering from dementia, you can never say it is a waste, for love is never a waste. The pain of departure, the pain of loss, is only equal to the love we have shared. And to have loved and be loved in return is one of the things that makes us truly human. Love is never wasted. And the grief that you feel as you miss that loved one is only equivalent to the love that you shared together. November is a time of remembrance. 
It's a time set aside in the liturgical calendar for our loved ones. And may this piece of music, sung by James Kilban, give you a moment in the day to pause and to remember. Oh, 
So that was James Kilbam's A Time to Remember. Now, the piece of music he, that he sung is actually written by Father Liam Lawton, but it's it's a reminder to us that remembrance and telling the story and sharing our story is an important part of being able to cope with the journey of grief. Um, being able to share the memories, both the good and the bad, being able to tell the story of a loved one is an important part of the process of dealing with grief. Because death is a lonely visitor, you know. After it visits your home, you know, nothing is ever again the same. There's an empty place at the table. There's an absence in the house. It's an incredibly strange and desolate experience. And, you know, for when you've experienced death, something breaks within you. Because gone is the person whom you loved, whose face and hands and body you knew so well. Um, and after death, I suppose many questions can come into our mind concerning where has the person gone, you know, what they see, what they feel. But the death of a loved one is bitterly lonely. Um, we can't take another person's place, I suppose, on that final journey that has to be made because they are returning to the home to which they're being called in the next part of life. At the top of the reflection, I spoke about death being a transfiguration, you know, a, a changing of who and what we are. And as people of faith, as people of hope, it's what sets Christians apart in many ways. I think it's one of the letters of St. Paul where he said, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because, of course, for us as Christians, the resurrection is the key part of why we have hope despite the darkness of death. Why we persist in, in believing and beginning again and starting anew. Because death, where is your victory? Because Christ has redeemed death for us. The writer and the poet, Brendan Kennelly, has that wonderful poem, Begin Again. And I suppose it's a reminder to us that are dealing with the journey of grief, particularly facing into this dark November. Sometimes death can be a traumatic experience for us as well. And for those of us that are left behind, it's very hard to try and pick ourselves up and start anew. Brendan Kennelly's poem, Begin, is a wonderful reflection on that in terms of trying to encourage us how to start and he talks about begin again to the summoning birds, to the sight of the light at the window. Begin to the roar of morning traffic all along Pembroke Road. Every beginning is a promise, born in light and dying in dark. Determination and exaltation of springtime flowering the way to work. Begin to the pageant of queuing girls, the arrogant loneliness of swans in the canal. Bridges linking the past and future, 
old friends passing through with us still. Begin to the loneliness that cannot end, since it perhaps is what makes us begin. Begin to wonder at unknown faces, at crying birds in the sudden rain, at branches stark in the willing sunlight, at seagulls foraging for bread, at couples sharing a sunny secret, alone together while making good. Though we live in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion, insists that we forever begin. I thought it was very appropriate because it's a, it is the call, the call to hope for us as Christians. Death is only the transformation in our lives. We need to understand it, I suppose, and try to embrace it by living our lives for what we are called to be by God himself. A life well lived, a life is not gauged by how long it is or when it ends, but rather how well it is lived in its duration, no matter short or how long it can be. A couple of years ago, two friends of mine got the sad news that a little girl that they were expecting would not survive beyond birth. But they decided as a couple to go ahead with that pregnancy, and that lovely little girl was born. She was named and she was christened. She was introduced to her big brother and sister. She met her grandparents. She had her birth cert, so the state acknowledged that she was born. But sadly, two days later, God decided that he wanted this particular little angel to sing in the heavenly choir. And so she had her own little funeral and was issued with her own death certificate. But even that short duration of two days, she lived, she was loved, she was treasured, and she still is treasured to this day, remembered by her parents and her family. No matter how short the life is, no matter how sweet it's, or brief its duration, life is for living and for treasuring, so that in death we can embrace the love of God as he calls us home. And as we face that final journey, sadly a journey we can only face on our own, for no one can travel it with us, for those that we leave behind, the message that we can say to them is, don't worry for me, I trust in God. Let him embrace me, and I am not too far from you. And so as we draw this reflection to a close this Sunday morning, our final piece of music to close out is that lovely hymn, Going Home. <laughs> 